to his name most high to declare your faithful love. So we do not worry about because he will carry us wherever we go no matter what.
that uh, wonderful song. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I invite you to please rise as we give respect to the reading of the Word of God. Our passage today is found in John chapter 11, that's beginning verse 18 until verse 27. We will continue our series of studies about the seven I am sayings of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. John chapter 11, beginning verse 18, I am reading through my King James, New King James Version. Beginning verse 18. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met Jesus, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever believes or lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Let's bow down our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your very presence in our midst. That you continue to change people's lives. Father, indeed, we are so grateful because your presence again is here, allowing us not to be distracted by anything. And so, Father, my request is to help us focus on you as we listen to your words. Father, if there are any individual here who don't know you as their Lord and Savior, speak to them in a very personal way. And Lord, I know that your spirit is so powerful that you can prick those hearts, O oh Lord, to believe in you. And so, Father, we thank you that you have your words today. I pray, Lord, that you will bless them and hide me behind the cross of your Son, Jesus Christ, so they will see uh, Jesus in me. And Lord, we thank you for our guest today, my brother and his family. Thank you, Lord, for a safe travel that you provided. Thank you for the many answers, O oh Lord. And even uh, here at church, Lord, thank you for those people who are uh, indeed trusting in you. And, and, and Lord, we know you are the God that we worship. You are alive. So continue to bless them. If they have a need financially, Lord, provide for them. If they have emotional problems, spiritual, Lord, they need to grow. Oh, Lord, provide them because we know that you are the God who provides. And Lord, once again, thank you for your word today. Bless them, oh, Lord. So when we go out here, we have a changed life because we know that your words are powerful. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. In the Gospel of Mark, uh, we, of course, know that uh, Christ asked his disciples about the opinion about himself. And, of course, he said, and he asked, who do people say I am? And the disciples said, people said that you are Elijah. Some say you are John the Baptist. How about you, Peter? Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was the opinion of the crowd in those days. Mark wrote, 
But in the Gospel of John, we will notice that John wrote his Gospel to persuade men about who he is. And so, in the Gospel of John, especially in John chapter 20, verse 30 following, that he who believes in him will have eternal life. And this is the testimony. And so, from the opening verses of the Gospel of John, even in the beginning verse, John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so John's focus is on the divinity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, proving that He is the Messiah. You are now alive. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Okay? And so John focuses also on his miracles. And those miracles, of course, proving that he is indeed Messiah. First miracle, of course, we know is changing the, or turning water into wine. That's the first miracle. But of course, we are interested in the I am saying of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because in the I am saying of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he is declaring who he is. And so he said, I am. You remember in the book of Exodus chapter 3 verse 14, when the Lord commanded him to free the Israelite people from Egyptian bondage. Reluctant to obey the Lord because he doesn't know what's his name. And so he asked the Lord, what name will I say? And the Lord said, tell them, I am who I am. That is Yahweh Jehovah. In Greek, it says, ego eimi, I am who I am. Now, when you hear the word, I am who I am, he is declaring that he is the God of the past, the present, and the future. He is a sovereign God. So when we are talking about a sovereign God, here he is declaring, hey, I am Jesus, I am the Messiah, I am the sovereign God. And so John uses the same phrases 23 times in the gospel and makes it clear it's time that Jesus is claiming the divinity. And so John's gospel is filled with many vivid portraits of the Lord Jesus Christ. So everyone, if you will read the book of John, Everyone is a masterpiece of his greatness and also his glory. And so, in this chapter, the greatest of all of the miracle of Jesus is on display. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. This is the fifth saying of I am, or statement of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we all know that Lazarus is dead. Okay. Lazarus is dead. Earlier, Jesus had heard that his friend was sick but insisted of going to visit Lazarus, Jesus stayed how many more days? Two more days. He stayed two more days where he was, of course, two more days according to John chapter 11, verse 6. So he explained to his puzzled friends and his disciples, oh, you know what, don't worry, he's just sleeping. They, they, they can't comprehend what Christ is doing and thinking. And of course, they were puzzled. 
And so in verse 4, if you will read 11 verse 4, for God's glory, that's God's Son, may be glorified through it. Now, on these verses alone, we can gain a lot of lessons. Why? Because sometimes on our part, when the Lord is not answering our prayers, Lord, how come you're not answering my prayers? You know, sometimes the Lord will not answer your prayer. It's because he wants his name to be glorified. If you are truly a son of God, we will trust him whether the Lord will answer your prayers or not. Why? Because glory belongs to him, and his name would be glorified. Hey, your friend is sick. Ah, he said, oh, he's just sleeping. Now, if you will notice here, after Lazarus died, Jesus began a journey to Bethany. And Bethany means house of affliction or house of figs. Uh, how many of you have seen fig tree? If you've never seen a fig, you go back to the building, you will see a fig tree. It's bearing fruit now. And they are sweet. And I call it Simon. Because Pastor Simon was the one who planted that fig. Okay? <laughs> Dedicated to him. Last year, it has a fruit and also sweet. And I, I have, of course, an enemy, the blackbirds. I go before them. <laughs> They're so sweet. And so, he died and began a journey to Bethany. Uh, of course, at Lazarus' home. Significantly, when Jesus informed his disciples that Lazarus was dead, he simply said his friend was asleep. I am going there to wake him up. Now, outside Bethany, of course, in, in the reading, in our reading, Lazarus' sister went out to meet Jesus. And this is what she said. If you had been here, she said, my brother would rise or would have not died. Yeah, blaming Jesus. <laughs> now, uh, you know what? That is faith. If you are here, he will not die. That's, that's faith. Why? Because, because Martha knew exactly that Jesus can do the impossible things. And that's why he said, you know what? If you are only here, he will not die. Jesus replied by saying, assuring Martha that her brother would rise again. And again, Martha responded in faith. And this is what she said. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last days. So he, she believed that there will be resurrection. All the dead will rise again. And that's true, of course. But of course, at this very point, he's not expecting the Lord will command Lazarus to rise again from the dead. Martha's mentality is in the future. But Jesus' mentality is here, right now. That's why he is the I am. He is the God of the past, the present, and the future. But Mar Mar Martha's mentality is in the future. Now, I am the, resur the resurrection and the life. That's why, where he started, of course, uh, saying that he is the, resur the resurrection and the life. And he, of course, according to the scripture, he who follows me will, of course, never die. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Now, the question that we, are, uh, the question that we need to ask this morning, what, what is the meaning of I am the resurrection and the life? Why did Christ claim that he is the resurrection and the life? 
see, number one that we need to learn this morning is because he is the resurrection and the life, death is defeated. Death is defeated. Look at verse uh, 21. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. See, death. Talking about death, what is death? See, Lazarus was dead and grief had invaded a once happy home. One whom they have loved so dearly was snatched from their presence and they were devastated. First time I have experienced that in our family when I was still a small, small boy in elementary. And this is the first death that I've experienced. It's the death of my grandma. We call her Apong Uli. Uh, we have a relationship because she's my grandma. It is still vivid in my memory, fresh in my memory, when I experienced that first death in our family. When, when my grandma, they uh, push her coffin inside the tomb, I can't forget that one because I'm worried because I don't have any idea about death, about you know, eternal life then because I was still a young boy. When they put her inside that tomb, and you know the last brick was put on it, I did not cry, but but my feeling is so. What will happen to my grandma? She's there by herself. You know, my my grandma. Every time I came from from school, what I remember is because she she can't see clearly. Uh, every time I uh, came from school. We just want to go to the farm and play with my playmate. And so what I do is, she has a good hearing. And then she said, Joel, uh-oh. Everybody is busted. But I miss her. Because every morning, she will prepare a, a fried rice. And then she will mold it into like an egg. And then she will call us one by one, you know. If you have a relationship with someone and death visited the family, it is so devastating. Some of you have experienced it. And, and let us remember this, that death is unpleasant. It is not pleasant. It is unpleasant. It invades our homes and brings with it division, discouragement, disillusionment, and also Defeat. So when someone dies, we are literally ripped apart. This is their experience. You can't blame Martha in blaming the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because they lost their brother. If you only came on time, my brother will not die. Why? Because there's love. There's a relationship that was just ripped apart. Fiji Islands, one of their custom is this. When the relative will die, you know what will they do? They will go on the tallest tree or on the highest cliff and they will shout, Come back! Come back! They will yell the name and Come back! Come back! Only from that custom we'll know that the relationship is important. But of course, in their custom, they believe that they will not come back anymore. What comes back to them is the echo of saying, come back, come back. They do that, it's because 
For them, that is unpleasant, and they wish that the dead relative will come back. So that is unpleasant. Secondly, that is certain. That is certain. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 27, and it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this is the what? Judgment. Same thing with Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, Romans 5, verse 12. These verses all speak of the reality of what we call that. One day, whether we like it or not, whether we believe it or not, we will all die. I don't know if you have noticed it or not. Death is getting steadily closer to you and me every day, every minute of every day. See, one day your time will run out. I notice it on myself because uh, when my brother, of course, were, uh, were planning to come here, I, I cleaned the house and I, I noticed that uh, there's this uh, album and then I wipe it and open it. I saw my picture. That's the album that Jewel did. He compiled every picture about dad. And so I saw myself. Uh, I have uh, rollers over here in the middle. JP was five years old and Jewel was three years old. They were still small, of course. Uh, they were sitting on me, climbing, and then they played on my head. They put uh, rollers over here. And now they can't do that anymore. <laughs> Why? Kneel, nothing. <laughs> Why? That means we are getting older every day. Now, uh, someone has mathematically calculated a schedule that compares the average lifetime with a single day beginning 7 a.m. I want to share them with you. Now, if your age is 15, your time is 10.25 a.m. If your age is 25, the time is 12.42 p.m. If your age is 35, the time is 3 p.m. If your age is 45, the time is 5.16. Uh, if your age is 55, and this is me, on this coming August, my time is 7.54. Oh, Lord. <laughs> if your age is 65, the time is 9.55. And if your age is 70, the time is 11 p.m. You know what the Bible says? If you reach 80, you are blessed. If you reach 70, you are blessed. Amen. Amen. And the Bible says that our, our, our first uh, age is 70, according to Psalms 90, verse 10. But if you have the strength, uh, the Lord will bless you 85, 90, 100. But the point that we're making here is this. Death is certain. No matter what our modern science is doing, it only, you know, uh, it prolongs our life, but they don't have any, of course, solution about death. All of us will die. Number three, death is uncertain. Death is certain, and then death is uncertain. Meaning, we don't know when. You see, death is no respecter of person, whether you are young, whether you are strong, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you are a king, whether you are a queen. 
death will visit you. It is uncertain and we don't know. Of course, uh, the exemption of those who are uh, in, in the prison. But as you live normally, sometimes death. You don't know when. Even those people who had cancer, they will give you nine months. But when they don't know exactly what is the day and the time. Death is uncertain and death is certain. Martha and Mary probably thought that Lazarus would recover from his sickness and that everything would return to normal. But death had another idea. So, this morning, do not let death sneak up on you and catch you unprepared. There is a great need for being ready and there is no excuse for not being ready. I, I want to share Proverbs 21 verse 7. This is what Proverbs 21 verse 7 says. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. You see, many people think, oh, you know what? I don't need the Lord. I, I am still strong. I, I go to LA Fitness. I go to, to EOS Fitness. I am strong. I don't need the Lord. Hey, I have a lot of money. I have money in the bank. So when I go to the hospital, I have money to pay the doctor. But my friends, think about this. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what they may bring Dear friends and brothers in the Lord, your life and my life is just borrowed. The Lord loaned it to you. But of course, God is asking you to give your life to Him. And when we give our life to Him, we will be prepared to meet Him. See, salvation is the one area of life where men are foolish to delay their decision for Jesus. Paul said to the church at Corinth, now is the day of salvation. Do not delay it. When you hear the word of God preached, when you hear someone, your friend, share the word of God to you, don't hesitate. Why? It's because now is the day of salvation. Because Proverbs 27 verse 1, do not boast about tomorrow. You don't know what will happen. Especially into your life. You can put off paying taxes changing your oil, or doing other things you probably never think of putting off yet too often. What is sad is men will put off their salvation until time, until the time to die comes and catches unprepared. And of course, they have to go out into a lost eternity. When a person dies and doesn't have any relationship with the Lord, the Bible is very clear. You're lost in eternity in that place. Is called hell. There's a story about uh, a family, and in this family, they just move into a community. And so, when the family moved in the community, they were promptly visited by two elders and one pastor of a near, nearby church, and then cordially invited them to go to church, worship with them, attend services on the Lord's Day. And this is what the man said and assured them that he would come just as soon as he got straightened out. Hey, pastor, I will go to your church as soon as I got straightened out. Several months passed and he still hadn't put in an appearance 
And so the minister called again and repeated the invitation. Hey, join us for worship. Uh, but he received the, sec- uh, the same reply. I, I will go there as I got straightened out. Now, the fellow hadn't yet gotten everything straightened out. A few weeks later, he died. He passed away. And his widow asked to, ha- to ask a funeral service in the church. And so the preacher graciously agreed. Uh, it was indeed a sad affair. Now later, when a member of the congregation asked the pastor if the man was a Christian, he answered, he never attended services here, and no one can recall ever hearing give him a testimony of his faith in Christ. So I can say, uh, I only know he was a man of his word. He promised to come to church just as soon as he got straightened out, and he did. You know, don't, don't, don't wait for uh, your body to be straightened out, literally to go to church. Because we don't know when. That is certain, and that is uncertain. Because he is the resurrection and the life, that is defeated. And secondly, because he is the resurrection and the life, graves are empty today in verse 25. And so when Jesus said, I am the, the resurrection and the life, he was claiming to be the source of both. There is no resurrection apart from Christ, and there is no eternal life apart from Christ. Beyond that, Jesus was also making a statement concerning his divine nature. And so he does more than give life. Listen, he is life. He is not only the giver of life, but he is life. And therefore, listen, death has no ultimate power over him. Jesus confers the spiritual life on those who believe in him so that they share the triumph over death. That's why Christ is saying, if you believe in me, you will never experience death. And so believers in the Lord, you and me, will experience a resurrection. Why? Because having the life Jesus gives, it is impossible for death, of course, to defeat us believers in the Lord. A good example for this is, of course, Jesus raised others from the dead. Uh, you remember Jairus' daughter? That's in the book of Mark. These are the miracles that Christ did. The widow, uh, of course, in, in nine city, in Luke chapter 7, and Lazarus, of course, here in our lesson. These are all the miracles. Christ saying to them, arise, they're all dead. And Christ said, arise, and they did. Another example, of course, is this, that Jesus promised to raise his followers from the dead. And this is about his second coming. This is what Martha is thinking about when Jesus said, he will rise. You see, this is uh, the rapture event. This will occur, of course, anytime. The rapture is, of course, the second coming of Christ is imminent any moment. And so if Christ will come, those dead in Christ who are in the grave, they will rise first. And then if the Lord, of course, allow us to still be alive when he comes, we will follow them. But the point here is this. Even though they are dead, 
they are alive, the Lord will resurrect them from the dead. And we all know that in the book of Mark, also, book of Matthew chapter 28, that Jesus raised himself also from the dead. His horrible death on the cross. We know that. Uh, this is uh, a punishment that you know, Christ will not supposed to experience. But after he died, he rose from the dead. Now, I want for us to notice this this morning. With this in mind, you and me, saints of God, can face death with confidence. Knowing that one day, these bodies will live again. By the way, if the body does die, the spirit lives again. This body will go back to the dust, but the Lord gave you spirit, and that spirit will be the one who will face the Lord. See, Second Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians five eight, absent from the body, present with the Lord. That is our confidence. That's why we believers in the Lord, we have the hope. We don't have the fear of experiencing death. Why? Because it's the resurrection and the life. Graves are empty today. My mom, my dad, my brother, I know that they are in the presence of the Lord. You see, when I came to know the Lord, when I accepted him as my Lord and Savior, when I was in the elementary, my, my perspective when it comes to death is not the same when I was a boy, when I saw my grandma being pushed inside a tomb. Yes, I grieve. A lot of times I miss my dad and my mom and my brother. But deep in my heart, one of these days, I will... Meet them. I will see them. There will be a great reunion. Why? It's not because of them. It's because they put their faith and trust in the Lord on what the Lord said. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, he will live forever. The truth is plainly seen in the story of the rich of the rich man and Lazarus. You remember rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16? When the poor man died and, rich, uh, and the rich man also died, and then, and then uh, the rich man saw Lazarus sitting at Abraham's bosom. So that's the picture. Picture is when you die, you will be in the presence of the Lord if Christ is in you. See, the grieving Martha wished that Jesus had arrived earlier so he could have healed her brother. And when Jesus spoke of resurrection, Martha assumed he was speaking of the resurrection in the last day. So in both statements, Martha reveals that she considered time an insurmountable obstacle. Believing that, oh no, you can do nothing anymore. He's dead. You see, time for her, it's an insurmountable obstacle. If you only came on time, my brother will not die. In effect, of course, Martha was saying, it is too late to help my brother Lazarus is dead. See, it's too late to help. The time is past. So now we must wait for the resurrection of the dead. Now, Jesus shows that neither, listen, Jesus is showing us this morning that Neither death nor time is an obstacle to him. Amen. Death or time is not obstacle when it comes to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we have to always remember when he said, I am, I am who I am. 
I am the sovereign God. Whether people are dead, if I want to raise them from the dead, they will rise from the dead. Jesus shows that neither death nor time is an obstacle to him. Outside the tomb, you will continue reading our text this morning. Jesus called in a loud, loud voice. This is what the Lord said. Lazarus, come forth. And so he came out. He was still wrapped on that, you know, wrapping thing for the dead in those days. And then the Lord said, free him up. So it's one thing to claim to be the, the resurrection and the life, but Jesus proved it by raising Lazarus, who was, just imagine, four days dead. Uh, when, 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 when the Lord Jesus Christ said he will rise from the dead, they visited the tomb. Martha said, there's a stench already. You know what, if your body, uh, when we die, oh, four days, it's so fast. There will be stench. But, but take a look. I, I want you to imagine what, what Christ can do to a dead body. Proving that he is indeed the giver of life. And that's why when we put our faith and trust in the Lord, there is this confidence that when we face death, uh, you know what? We will be in his presence. We are this morning. There is fear about death on your part. I challenge you to put your faith and believe in the Lord because he is the resurrection and the life. The graves are empty today. If the Lord will take your life and, the, and Christ is in you, don't worry. He will be with you. You will be in his presence because he is the resurrection and the life. Death has no more dominion over him who is life itself, nor does death have dominion over those who are in him, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because he lives, we will live. Because he is life. And because he is life, we can also face life with confidence. Amen. Because he is the resurrection and the life, death is defeated. Because he is the resurrection and the life, graves are empty today. Last and number three, because he is the resurrection and the life, eternal life is a reality. It is a reality so he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And, and, and the Lord asked Martha, do you believe this? Jesus cures spiritual death. All of us are dead spiritually because the Bible says we are all sinners. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When you and I are sinners, according to the Bible, we are dead spiritually. But in the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul, trying to explain to the church at Ephesus that he said, and you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses. A person who is still in sin, without Christ, they are dead spiritually. And so when we are dead spiritually, there is no connection. For us to have a connection is to, of course, put our faith and believe in the Lord and repent of our sins. And this is what the church at Ephesus did. 
and you, he made alive, you are dead, spiritually. Now, here, Jesus has the power to take a life destroyed by sin and give it a brand new start. He specializes in giving dead men new life. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creation. All things are past, and lo, they are what? No, you are new in the Lord. He can take away the stains of sin and give anyone a fresh start, according to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. So, Lazarus, everything was over for him. There was to be, you know, no more family, no more friends, no more joy, no more anything. His life was over until Jesus passed by and made the difference between the end and of course, a new beginning. Uh, if you will continue reading John chapter 11 and then 12, you will notice that John, uh, Lazarus was sitting with them in John chapter 12. We find that Lazarus sitting at the table and dining with our Lord Jesus. So Jesus gave him a new life, and he can do the same for you. Amen. You know what? If, if there is emptiness in your heart, you need the Lord. Uh, I like the testimony of my sister-in-law. Need no matter what in life, without Christ, your life is empty. And then so Jesus conquers that for his children, for you and me. Those who place their faith in Jesus Christ will never die according to the scripture. So according to God's word, we have passed from death to life. John chapter 5 verse 24. And we shall live forever. John chapter 8 verse 51. You see, life has a new meaning in Jesus. Amen. Life has a new meaning in Jesus. Have you noticed what I said? In Jesus, not in religion. Because many people, they think and believe that, oh, you know what? I'm a religious person. I'm okay. Oh, I'm good. I don't bother my neighbor. I'm good. I will go to heaven. No, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord, it's not joining a religion. Even in this church, you can join this church. You can still go to hell without the Lord. It's not about religion. It's about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, believing in Him. Why? Because if you don't have meaning in life, and your life doesn't have any meaning, your life is empty. You remember uh, what uh, King Solomon said in his book? It's called Kohelet, the book of Ecclesiastes. First verse, he said, meaningless. All things are meaningless. In King James Bible, vanity, all things are vanity. You see, think about him. King Solomon was the wisest, the richest man who ever lived in this world. This is also uh, one of uh, the many interesting things in life. He has how many wives? 300 wives, 700 concubines. And yet, at the end of the book, or in the, in the middle of the book, he says, meaningless. All things are meaningless. In other words, King Solomon is saying to you and me, pleasure, money, popularity, everything, material possession that you accumulate, you work, you know, three jobs. Meaningless. They can't give you joy. They can't give you satisfaction. The only person that can give you satisfaction is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you put your faith, life 
has some meaning now. This life here and now takes a new perspective. Again, I like what my sister-in-law said. Uh, all of us have problems. But when you are in the Lord, the problem, you know, you see it in a different perspective as opposed to, you know, you don't know the Lord. Which is true. And I meant to that. Why? Because when we have meaning in life, we all give it to the Lord because what He said is this. Without me, you can do nothing. That's why each person under this roof, we must give our life totally committed to the Lord. You want your life to have a meaning. You know, those money that you accumulate when you die, you can't bring anything. So we might as well enjoy life today with the Lord. Amen? Lay up not treasure here on earth, but lay your treasure there in heaven. The text says Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Yes, he raised Lazarus to demonstrate that even though a man had been dead for four days, Jesus could bring him back to full health. Life has a meaning in Jesus' life. is no longer viewed as three score and ten. One score is 20, and so uh, three score is 60. Ten, of course, is 10. And so this is what uh, Psalms 90 verse 10, that our life, we are already blessed if we reach 70. Life no longer has a limit. In other words, when this life is taken away from me, I will live forever in the presence of the Lord. Amen. So you don't worry. when you live in the presence of the Lord, you don't worry about anymore about your blood sugar, your cholesterol, your aching knees. Why? Because the Lord will change your body from corruptible to incorruptible. No more heart surgery. Why? Because in heaven everything will be perfect. Amen. You know what? I I I I, I struggled because because he said I have a knee problem. At I die in heaven, there will be no more knee problem. Isn't it wonderful to know that? Rather than we don't know what to do, there is no confidence in this life. But when you put your faith and trust in the Lord, there is confidence in the Lord. Life is no longer viewed as three score. Life no longer has a limit. It begins at birth, but of course, not at birth, but at the new end in every Every life that begins at the new birth never dies. And of course, it will live eternally. Death is no longer a dead end, but a bridge. It is a bridge. It's not a dead end anymore. It is a bridge. <laughs> we come from this life into the next life. Heaven is within our grasp. It's no longer just a wish or a dream. You know, uh, I wish I will go to heaven. You know, you don't wish it. Put your faith and trust in the Lord, and you will be sure. Amen. Amen. It's no longer a dream. I dream. Ah, I want to dream. I'm, I'm going to heaven. I wish I will be in heaven. Now, listen to me. There is hope in Jesus. And our hope in Jesus is different with our understanding of the meaning of hope when you, we, we use it. I'll give you an example. I hope I will 
pass my exam tomorrow. I'm doing my exam tomorrow. I hope the Phoenix Suns will beat the LA, LA Lakers if they have a game. You know, those hope, they are not certain. But when the Bible says our hope is in the Lord, it is a sure and certain hope. Why? Because the one who promised is faithful to fulfill his promise. He who promised is faithful. And when he said that if you believe in me, though you die, you will live forever. And that's our hope. That's why when our relatives, our friends, our classmates, our co-workers will die, if they are in the Lord, there is still joy in our hearts. Why? Because they, they, they were just transferred into another life which is better than we have right now. In the meantime, the Lord is not taking your life. It's because God wants to use you for his kingdom. There are still many people, if you are a believer today, there are still many people today who don't know the Lord. The reason why God saved you so that he will use you to share your faith with other people. Remember this, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. We will not live here forever. This is just temporary. We will be permanently living in the presence of the Lord. Think about this. If your friends, relatives are not yet in the Lord, think about for them going to hell. Will you let that thing happen? And that's why even people will tell us, you're bigot, you're narrow-minded. We still continue sharing the word of God. Why? I don't care if they call me bigot. Why? What, what my point here is, I don't want you to go into that place forever and ever. Just close your eyes. If you close your eyes, you will see total darkness. And that's a reality. When a person will die without Christ putting their faith and trust in the Lord, that's the they will go. My dear friends and brothers in the Lord, heaven is within our grasp. It is no longer just a wish or a dream. Jesus brings God and man together again and puts away the wages of sin. What is the wages of sin? It's death. Death is no more. Oh, Jesus' statement that he is the resurrection and the life provides a godly perspective on several spiritual matters. Take a look at this. Martha believed that the resurrection is an, is, is an event. Jesus showed her and us that the resurrection is a person, and that's Jesus. Amen. You see, for, for her, it's just an event, last date. But for Jesus, hey, I am the resurrection. And secondly, Martha, Martha's knowledge of eternal life was an abstract idea, and Jesus proved that knowledge of eternal life is a, listen, is a personal relationship with the Lord. Again, it's not about religion. It's having a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Third, Martha thought victory over death was future expectation, but Jesus corrects her, showing that victory is a present reality. Amen. In other words, we can enjoy life today. Christian life is not boring. Because many people, when we share to them, hey, come to church, and they will say, oh, Boring. I will not drink anymore. I will not smoke anymore. I will not do, I will womanize anymore. That's right. You know, when you have Christ in life, oh, everything is so beautiful. Why? You will be satisfied in life knowing the fact that the one who dwells and lives in you is the Spirit of the Lord, and there's no boring about that. 
my dear friends and brothers in the Lord, I challenge you. Give your life to the Lord. Because again, I want to go back to my first point. Death is certain and death is uncertain. You don't know where you know, death will visit you. But when we are sure, remember what he said? I am the resurrection and the life. You will have life eternally. Oh, praise the Lord, because He is the great I Am. And when He is the great I Am, we can put every confidence in Him. That's why the Lord also said, do not worry. How many of you are worried in life? When you worry, you commit sin. Why? How many of you are worried in life? When you worry, you confess them because worrying is sin. He commanded us not to worry. Why? Because when we worry, we... We are telling, oh, you know what, you, Jesus, you cannot do things for me. We're saying, oh, you, you, you are not the I am. That's why he said, do not worry. Why? Because he said, I am who I am. Nothing is impossible with me. Put your faith and trust in me. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful morning. Thank you, Lord, once again for revealing yourself to each and every one of us. That you are indeed the resurrection and the life. Father, we thank you for the gift of life that you gave to each and every one of us. Oh, Lord, thank you so much. You are so, so good. Uh, we're not worthy, oh, Lord, but you made us worthy because of your grace, because of your power, oh, Lord. Father, if there is any individual here who don't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that they will put their faith and trust in you. As we continue in an attitude of prayer, I want you to follow me in this prayer. If you want to accept Christ and believe in Him, you follow this prayer from your heart. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. I thank you, Lord, for your words. I thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. Father, I realize that I am a sinner. Lord, I confess my sin to you. Please forgive me. Now, Lord, I invite you your Son, Jesus Christ, into my heart. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I want you to be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. And thank you for giving me eternal life. If you pray that prayer, I assure you, if you pray that prayer from your heart, I welcome you into the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you so much again for your words. Continue to bless the rest of our service today. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Let's all stand up and sing our closing song. And after our closing song, um, we'll call Pastor Charlie.